Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Vanessa Parker, who also is known as a chief chaos organizer. Vanessa is a serial entrepreneur, wife and mother, currently holding an executive director position. She is a walking billboard for women across the world that either own their business, work nine to five jobs, or even both. Together, she and her husband, Cole, founded and run several globally recognized businesses, including Pink Boss and Divas in Defense. Under the Pink Boss imprint, Vanessa has elevated hundreds of women through digital resource workshops and speaking engagements. For Divas in Defense, she serves as the VP of Operations and Training, onboarding the company's new self-defense licensees and operation of their international division. Her audience has seen her on the stage at Georgia Tech, Clayton State University, General Assembly, Tom Joyner Fantastic Voyage Cruise, Tom Joyner Family Reunion, Black Enterprise Walker's Legacy, 100 female entrepreneurs, and in Kuwait, partnering with Balsam International Training, and speaking to over 1,400 women from 62 nationalities. As a wife and mother, Vanessa dedicates her time outside of the office to spending time with her blended family. I'd like you to welcome Vanessa to the podcast. We are going to be talking all about how we can show up and leave with confidence. Hi, everyone. It's Shenda Wall, and I am so excited. On this week's episode, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, confidence and leading with confidence. And here to do that, I am sitting down with Chief Chaos Officer, Vanessa Parker. Vanessa, okay, first and foremost, welcome to the show, but please tell me what Chaos Officer means or organizer, (laughs) a organizer. Thank you so much for having me. So honestly, it's a title I've given myself because I run so many different things. I wear a lot of hats from mom to wife to career. I have a nine to five as an executive director to my freelance businesses. And so, but everything that I touch is usually chaotic. I believe that my skill set is being able to look at something complex and creating processes around them. So I find myself in all these areas. So I said, you know what? I'm a chief um, chaos organizer. And so that's the title I've given myself. My gosh, I love that. And you do wear a lot of hats. And what the audience didn't hear too is just, I mean, I want to give another acknowledgement to everyone. Like when you wear a lot of hats, it's amazing. But yes, we also can be burnt out, which can impact our confidence. How do you stay like, how do you stay confident? And I heard you say systems. How do you stay confident in the chaos? Because sometimes for me, when it's chaos, Oh, then I start to get overwhelmed, maybe more stressed out. I know I'm probably not responding or talking to people in the way that's my best self. Um, how do you kind of keep and show up as a leader with confidence when you're in co- or when you're in chaos? Ooh, so this took some years of training. So whatever I'm getting ready to tell you is like my secret sauce now, right? Get so it to me. <laughs> one of the things is looking from like a 10,000 foot level. What is really, really important? What things are chaotic? And then what systems can I put in place, right? And then narrowing down onto the different roles. Another thing that I do is I do a lot of time blocking and day blocking because the things that I do are a lot, are usually flexible. So meaning I can do them on certain days, certain times. And so for me, I do time blocking, which means that I literally have focused time where I focus on these few tasks. Um, Day blocking is, On certain days, I focus on different businesses or in my career, right? And so Monday, Wednesday, Friday is where I really focus on my nine to five. Doesn't mean I don't do work those other days, right? 
But those are my truly important days. I do admin work. I respond to emails. I follow up. I do all those things that are time consuming. Tuesdays and Thursdays are the days I focus, focus on my freelance stuff. And so for me, that time blocking, day blocking allows me to have focus because I've learned over the years, I'm not good at multitasking. Um, And I think that I can juggle all the hats, but I can't juggle them all in the same day. And so I've got to make sure that I create those. And my last thing is before I go to bed, I tell myself that the day is complete. Because when you wear a lot of hats, your to-do list is never going to be done. And as someone like myself, that's a project manager, I'm a Capricorn who's like really like loves organization. If I can't check off all the boxes, I don't feel confident in myself. I don't, I feel like a failure sometimes. But for me, I have to know that I did my best. If I give excellence every day and I try to get conquered what I can do, when I go to bed, I say, my day is complete. Whatever I didn't complete today, whatever I didn't accomplish today, I can accomplish tomorrow. And those simple words have been such a reliever for me because I've given myself grace and permission to let the day close out. I've done what I can do. My day is complete. I love... Oh, just calming down the Sunday scaries or the anxiety that kicks up. No, my day is complete. I love that. Um, Vanessa, we didn't, I didn't even touch on this. Can you just share with our audience a little bit more about who you are? What are those hats that you're wearing? Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Yes. And so main hat, I am an executive director for a nonprofit here in Atlanta, Georgia. We manage over 25 urban gardens. And so those are community gardens that we grow to give. We grow all the food and we give to local food banks. Um, due, the pan- due to the pandemic, um, food need- needs for food have increased over 400%. And so we have been meeting that need and making sure that food pantries have fresh produce. Um, so that's kind of the main hat that I wear. The other hat is my husband and I have a business called Divas in Defense. We teach women and girls self-defense. We do that internationally, we do that corporate-wise, and then we license our program out. Um, things have kind of been on hold due to the current situation we in, we are in. So we're slowly ramping back up. Um, and then the other thing I have is my Pink Boss business. That's where I do all my group training, um, speaking engagements, all the confidence courses that I offer. I do it through that company. Then I'm a mom, a wife, and all those other hats, right? And so um, sounds all over the place, but I have learned to kind of keep it all in the right lanes. Yeah. I mean, it's, you have to, but I love that you don't just say I have to be one thing. I allow myself to, you know, focus on what I enjoy to either, whether it's a mom, whether it's running your business, whether, you know, whatever that is, you don't limit yourself by saying, well, you can only do one, like you can do it. You just have to be intentional as to what you shared, but day blocking, which I love, I need to probably do more day blocking (laughs) and remind myself the day is complete. So how did you come to kind of be attracted to talking about the topic of confidence? Because you and I connected. I heard you speak at a different event. You gave us such amazing insights. And so I knew that we needed to talk about this. How, what was your journey to really wanting to focus on this subject area? Um, years ago, my husband and I had a business called Corporate LLC, where we helped small businesses start up getting their LLCs done. We did the website design, all of that stuff. Um, then trans, you know, got rid of that company, transitioned into Divas and Defense. I used to coach women in business, all these things that I've done, even uh, managing a team. At the core of what holds people back, I noticed was confidence. 
Um, and I kept getting pulled in the direction of coaching or empowering people that were challenged with confidence. And I really think it's not that I'm just an expert. I think that because I'm allowed, I feel I'm, I allow myself to be vulnerable enough to share my own struggles and then the things that I've worked on to overcome them and then share that information with other people who have tried some of the things and then given me feedback. And so imposter syndrome, self-doubt, confidence has really been tugging at me the last few years because I believe that that is the core piece that holds most people back. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny. And I know we touched on this. Imposter syndrome is has been around for a while, but for some reason it is just taking the center stage. And I'm curious, why do you think it's grown to its popularity today? Why do you like, why do you think is it that we're finally talking about the fact that we all struggle with confidence? Like why? It's just so funny. It feels like there was a switch flipped and now everyone wants to talk about it. I know. And it's so funny because I'm hearing such, I'm hearing both sides of people that don't think it exists and people that think it exists. I definitely think it exists. It has been around since 1970, the 1970s, um, two science, well, two psychologists here in Atlanta coined the term imposter phenomenon. Um, they didn't want to call it a syndrome because they felt like that made it a disease. Right. Um, but the buzzword has really taken off in the last, I would say, four years. I think it's because, one, we have the power of social media where people are transparent, taking the veil off. Celebrities that we looked up to um, are now admitting or owning up to what imposter syndrome is. Um, studies show that 70% of Americans have dealt with it before. So I think when you mention it and you have a platform where you're talking about it, so many people resonate with it. Then you've got the blog posts, the podcast, all the things that are creating the buzz around it. And so I'm excited for it. I have some people who have said, oh my God, you've been talking about this for the past five years. How are you feeling that it's kind of gone viral? I'm happy because I believe that imposter syndrome and self-doubt thrive in isolation. And if we don't talk about it, then we suffer from it, right? And I think suppression breeds depression, right? And I think that having the different conversations about it, having people that look like you, talk like you, that are saying I'm dealing with it, then allows us to identify and then create tools around how to combat it. Oh my gosh, I can I just give you first of all, I loved everything you just said, but second, thank you so much for acknowledging its role in the connection between imposter syndrome and mental health that super like suppression can equal depression. And as someone that struggles with mental health, that's absolutely sometimes very, very true for me, where I, you know, you struggle alone, you struggle in silence, and then that struggle just gets to be a bigger burden that kind of, again, diminishes your confidence, you know, your energy, whatever that is, like overall your emotional health declines. So I think it's so important to talk about that in terms of, you know, when we don't show up as our authentic selves, when we don't give ourselves grace, that we actually could be, you know, really compromising ourselves in terms of a mental health standpoint. Thank you for bringing that up because, you know, it's another thing that we need to keep plugging, like mental health is so important. And yet we, we avoid that topic for some reason. I don't know why, but it impacts everything that we do. Um, what does, in your experience, what does leading with confidence mean? I believe that leading with confidence um, means leading your authentic self. And sometimes people say that as a buzzword, but it's being true to who you are, what your values are, what, you know, empowering those who you lead and being able to lift them up. I think true leaders are not so focused on their own personal development, but the development of the people that 
um, they leave. Yeah, and they're secure enough. So they're not saying, oh, if I develop you, then you're somehow going to rise above me. They say, no, hey, if we all develop each other, then we get better. So yeah. leading with confidence is also then, how do you think, what does that look like if you make a mistake? Because I think that some leaders still put the expectation that we can't own our mistakes or we can't share, you know, we still try to pretend like, everything's fine. Even though we might be that, you know, what's the metaphor of the duck with the rapidly like kicking legs underwater, you can't see it, but they're only showing you the top, which is not authentic and hard to build trust. But what, what does that mean? Or I guess my question again, in a long and in a long way is like leading with confidence. Like what, how does that, how would that show up if you were going to, I guess, talk about a mistake that you made? Because again, yeah, just leaders don't own that sometimes because we're afraid of being judged. And what, what does that look like when we actually do own our mistakes and how can we use that as a positive point with our teams? I think vulnerability um, is the bridge to trust with your team. I'm not saying you got to tell all your business, right? <laughs> but I think that there are pieces of yourself that people need to know that you're human. Being a robotic leader, is it doesn't work. I mean, we've had those leaders before. It, it just doesn't work. And then you've got to put up this front that you're perfect, right? I think that, um, so being vulnerable is super important for doing that with your team. I also think that um, we have to stop adopting the all or nothing mindset. And this is for leaders as well as employees, right? Okay, tell me what you mean. What does that mean? So if I make a mistake, it does not mean I'm a failure. So like if I make a mistake in my job, that doesn't mean I'm a failure across the board. I'm not a failure at, my, at being a mother, right? Like, I think that we take on these things that we're all or nothing. If I make a mistake at work, and it could be a big mistake. I'm not negating any, you know, mistakes, right? But I'm saying I'm making a mistake. It doesn't mean I'm a failure at my job. It doesn't negate all the years of success that I had at the employer. I made a mistake, and that mistake could possibly just be silo, right? And I just think that sometimes we put ourselves in these boxes where we're all or nothing. You're going to have bad days. You're going to make mistakes in your personal life and in your career. So I think that being able to identify and knowing this is a mistake area that I've, I've made, it doesn't mean I'm like that all, all over. As a leader, I think acknowledging that and saying that to your um, employee or someone that you lead, hey, I noticed that mistake or here's the immediate feedback. That's the other thing, giving immediate feedback when there is a mistake done. Because what happens is if you avoid it, because you don't want to deal with the conflict, right? You don't want to hurt someone's feelings. If you avoid correcting the mistake or giving the immediate feedback needed, then that mistake may happen again. Then as a leader, you might be resentful to that person you may think you're not acting differently to that person, but you probably are, right? And so identifying and knowing, hey, my employee made a mistake, acknowledging it, course correcting it, and knowing and, and confirming to affirming them, knowing that this th doesn't mean that you're mistaken the whole company. Like you made this one mistake. Oh my God, I love the all or nothing. Just, and you brought up a really great reminder that this is a natural way to think. I know myself, I, I mean, I try to be candid on the podcast because I just want to share stories, but I am incredibly hard on myself. Like, you know, talk about just listening. You, all it takes is one mistake and that I have to very much train my brain or just remind myself, like, don't go there. It's not productive, but sometimes I absolutely go there and it sucks. It drains your confidence. It makes you not even want to try again because you're like, oh, I guess I really goofed up. But 
I love that you talk about having the all or nothing conversation with your team because we're going to do it as leaders to ourselves. We likely will. That's probably part of also what, you know, maybe even helped us be successful is that urgency that we have to prove it or all or nothing. But reminding your team that they're going to have it and showing empathy for them. I love that. Having the conversation, hey, you might have a tendency to maybe focus on this mistake and that's going to cloud all of your sense of accomplishment. Here's what I want you to do. Even though you're going there, I I just love that, Vanessa. I think that's so valuable to have the conversation with your team. Start having these types of combos. Don't, you know, don't just suffer in silence. Like start also showing your team that it's okay. What does, like, what's the cost of not leading with confidence? Ooh, not leading with confidence. I know. It can create an environment where your team does not trust you. It can create an environment where your team does not show up in in excellence because you're not providing excellence. I think that leaders that are not confident um, are micromanagers. I think that they um, sometimes they withhold information from a team, so they're not best at communication. I think that they are... um, They don't know how to praise their team members or the people that they lead, um, which also may feel for an employee that I'm not getting the credit I deserve. I'm not seen. So I think that when you do not lead with confidence, you create and breed this environment that is not a healthy workplace. Yes. I like that, you know, just talking and reminding ourselves, like it shows up in how we communicate to people and they can sense it, right? They can sense whether or not you're like feeling confident in a decision, whether or not you're even feeling confident in maybe a strategy or a task that you're asking them to do. Like we are very, I I mean, I don't know. Do you just notice? I feel like confidence. You can just tell when someone walks in the room or you meet them, whether or not they have it. Like, do you feel, and I think I even had this as a later question, like, do you think that confidence, I'm going to move this up. Like, is it something, oh, I guess it's the next one. Is confidence something that can be built or is it something that's natural? I think that in doing imposter syndrome research and talking to people who swear they don't have it, (laughs) I think that there are a small percentage of people that may not have issues with confidence. I applaud them. But those people do have to check their ego and have guardrails in place or people in place that can help them when they're a little high on their horse, right? And so ego can be a hard thing or arrogance can be a hard thing if it's something that you don't lack in confidence, right? But the majority of the world, I believe, does lack the confidence. And so it may not, it doesn't seem as second nature. It doesn't come natural. I think it's work that you have to do. And you can do that work by listening to this podcast, right? Or listening to getting a coach or reading confidence or leadership books, finding a mentor that you believe is a great leader. So you can peel back and learn how, where they've gotten Um, someone older, someone who's a little bit more experienced. So to answer your question, I do believe that there's a small percentage of people that it may come second nature for the rest of us. I do not think so. I think it is something, it's like a muscle, I think it is something that has to be worked on. You mentioned earlier, talking to yourself when you have that trigger. I think that those are tools that you learn over time. Um, if, if that triggers your confidence, that your lack of confidence that you can turn on. And that's the work that you have to do. I don't think it's a one size fits all. I give a lot of different strategies, but I think that you've got to try a bunch of things out to see what actually works for you. Hi, it's Jen. And if you're tuning in with us each week, we know that you're invested in yourself and furthering your leadership journey. 
at Crestcom, we believe great leaders aren't born, they're made. They turn skill into habit and habit into instinct. Continue your growth journey and learn to make leadership instinctual by joining us for our complimentary leadership summit around the theme Connected. Connected is a two-day virtual leadership event where we'll discuss what it means to be connected, whether that's creating meaningful connections with customers, building connected teams and inclusive cultures, having the courage to innovate, leading with compassion, or becoming more authentic in our professional and personal relationships. We need to continue to find new ways to stay bonded while the majority of the workforce is still working at home. Join us to learn more about building connections with both your customers and coworkers. We have a packed lineup of speakers ready to help you build authentic and strong connections. Save your seat now and get connected with like-minded individuals on April 28th and 29th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. You can register on Crestcom.com. Hope to see you there. I want to ask personally about this because you and I are both coaches. Like I know that I, you know, work within leadership. I work within career, right? Like they'll come, a client might come with a specific issue and they never think that it's confidence. I don't, I just think it's so funny that you have that same experience where people are like, no, 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 I'm a confident person. And then you're like, no, but it's actually confidence. It's maybe <laughs> you feeling, because I think people also don't understand we can get confidence in different ways. We can get it from being really good at our jobs. Um, we can use it obviously from our self-talk. There's more things. I love the book, The Confidence Code for that, just to talk about that. But I I just love that. Like so many people resist because it's so bad to be labeled as not confident. Oh, but yeah. yet if we don't own it, how the heck can we actually resolve like getting rid of that stuff? I just I love that you share that experience because it just shows again. People, stop lying to yourself. You might actually have an opportunity to check your confidence. And when you own that, it's just a great cha- a great place to start developing or do something different. Yeah. I don't know. What do you say to your clients when they're like, I don't have an issue with this? Because I, it's again, we don't want to be called or labeled as not confident. I have a friend who supports me. She will attend all my imposter syndrome stuff. She is on me about writing a book about it. All of those great things. But she swears. She does not deal with imposter syndrome or a lack of confidence. Now, all I do is still remind her of situations. She says something to me. I'm like, oh, that, that sounds a little bit about confidence, right? But no judgment. It's interesting because it wasn't until recently she is now in a doctoral program. And she said for the first time she did not feel confident. And so in our discussion, we realized She didn't have lack of confidence because she typically didn't put herself in places where she was not the smartest in the room. She didn't challenge herself in certain areas, right? And so to your point, confidence is not just at my career confidence. If you don't, if you feel great and super confident in your career, you may not as a parent or you may not as a wife, right? And so confidence isn't this blanket thing that, um, it affects different areas of your life. It may not affect your career, but doesn't mean that you don't lack it in other areas. Yes. And it's so important that it can, it pivots. It can go up, down throughout the day, depending on that. And then, yes, I love your point that if you are feeling, you know, overly confident, or if you're feeling like, I don't have a confidence issue, maybe it is an opportunity to check in with yourself and say, Hey, do you want to learn something new? Like, how could you put yourself into a more vulnerable, like, you know, a risk situation that could help you, like trying to develop a new skill or applying for a new job, you know, just to see, like, 
Because I know that everything that you want is on the other side of fear and you need to have confidence to overcome fear. And if you don't have confidence, you're not going anywhere. Um, You're just going to stay there because confidence is that beautiful thing that we control. I I love that it's us, right? We can't, that's the one thing you cannot go to a store for. And it is invaluable when you have it and develop it, but it's still hard. I do the work and I can tell you, I still struggle with it. It's yeah. And I think it's because, and I'm sure you have this too, is that the second you've kind of mastered something, then you're like, you somehow find your hand in another situation that you don't have experience with. And you're like, oh gosh, why did I sign myself up for this? Can I do this? What is wrong with me? But each time it's building your resilience. And, you know, you talk about it as a muscle. I, I also like to think about it as, you know, just even thinking we are trained from birth to just compare ourselves to people, you know, like, how are you doing? Check in. Are you in alignment with your peers? Are you in alignment with your friends? And so every single person, I really think we do compare ourselves often to people like, am I getting it right? Am I good enough? And the peaceable confidence is it, that is the most, I guess, not helpful way to look at it because we can't limit ourselves by looking at someone else's middle and being in our own beginning. And I see that a lot in like a speaking program that I run. Like some of our newer speakers just, they might see someone that's more established and then they don't step into their confidence, even though they're fantastic speakers. They're just new. (laughs) I don't know. Do you see that? Like, I just want to hug everyone when they feel that. I'm like, don't compare yourself. (laughs) I think that we are not okay with being new at something. We are not okay with saying, I don't know. It's so funny, this nonprofit that I work for now, I just recently got this role in December and we are urban gardeners. We manage urban gardens. I know nothing about gardening. Like I have a, I have a plant. That's all. That's all <laughs> I so I had to go meet an older gentleman that's a farmer, been farmer for years to pick up some plant donations for us. And when I arrived, he started asking me things and talking about things. And I kept saying, oh, no, sir, I don't know that term, sir. I don't I don't know. And at the end, he said, what do you know? Aren't you an executive director for this nonprofit? And it's funny because in my 20s, I may have taken that as offensive. But for me, I said, no, I actually didn't get hired because I'm a gardener. I got hired because I can grow this nonprofit and I can create systems around it and get us the funding we need. Um, yes, for that response, confidence in action. I can lead, lean on our team that are actually gardeners. I'm not. And so you do have those people who will push you and make you feel that way. That's what happens when you com- um, compare yourself to others. But knowing that I am I am so confident with saying, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm learning, but I don't know everything yet. And I am not supposed to know everything. I don't believe that we're here on this earth to just, if I knew everything about everything, I wouldn't need anyone. And I just don't think that we are, um, we're created for that. I think we're created to work with each other and we're communal. Right. And so I, I'm okay with it, but I also have learned over the years. That's confidence that I have built. Yes. I love that. Give yourself. And because again, that's something that a lot of leaders do. We put this pressure because we have that title that we somehow have to show up as a perfect person, doesn't make mistakes. And then also that pressure, I have to know all the answers. And I love that even what you shared, you can go back to your team as an executive director. You're like, this is a great opportunity to lean on my team. I don't have to know. 
Even though you're the executive director, no, absolutely. You don't have to be everything, but you can leverage your skills at growing that business, putting those systems in place. That was such an amazing example of what leadership looks like. We can be confident in what we have, but then also recognize the value and be confident in what someone else brings. And a good leader will put people in place and give them the right tasks for them to succeed. I believe a good leader looks at their team to know what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, so they can give them wins, right? If you know your team member, for example, my lead gardener is amazing and knowledgeable in the garden, but throw her in in presentations, in business meetings where she has to fundraise, she's probably going to fail. And so if I need her to get to there, then I've got to put the things in place to get her to there or recognize that she may never get there because that is not her skill set. And it would be unfair to put her in that role. And so I think leaders, we have to look at not just confidence, skill set and strengths. And if that is a skill set that they need on your team, then how do you build that up over time? Because it does it's not a flip of the switch, right? Or is that something that they will never be able to fulfill? And how do you either hire for that role or fill that gap? Yes. I love that. Focusing on those strengths, like just making sure that they feel confident. And I love checking in. I, you know, my task would be like challenging every organization. Does every person that does well have to become a leader? Because I know we are leaders. This is a leadership podcast. I love leadership, but it's also not a small job. And if you hire that top performer, that's not a great leader. That becomes a liability for you. So why can't we start to look at their strengths and be like, you know what? They're a great performer, probably not the best in our people management side, but they're really great at these tactical efforts. Let's praise and reward them for that instead of being like, well, the only way to move up here is to, you know, do something and then, and then they hate it. The employees hate it. But yet this happens every, I feel like this happens everywhere. Why do, why Especially in sales, <laughs> just because you have great numbers, you're promoted to a leader and they don't give them any personal development training. They don't make sure. And how many people leave jobs because of that middle manager? And I feel so sorry for the middle manager, right? Because they get promoted based on performance, which is great. But then they get no training on leadership. They get no training on dealing with your team and knowing that leadership is really 60% people work. And so we promote these people and then get mad that they're horrible bosses, but we've never prepared them. Yes. What in the heck? Like, why can't we stop this one? This is a glaring problem that I even bet someone listening is like, yeah, there's really some not great leaders that they were great team members. They're really great at what they did, but why in the heck is that the only option? And you're setting up everyone to fail. It's not fair. I want to also give a shout out too quick because we were talking about imposter syndrome. I'm going back here. So if you heard and you thought about imposter syndrome, maybe your first thing was just like you, like you, you know, I don't know how you move to the executive director role, but thinking you see the job and you're like, I don't have any gardening experience. I guess I'm not going to go for it. Whereas you were like, but this is the experience I do have. I can learn other things or I can depend on my team. That is such a stellar example of confidence and not letting that voice or the pressure to be perfect to stifle your ability to grow and find these next opportunities. I just want to praise you for that because that's a really big deal. And I think that's a great inspiration for our audience. If they're looking at something and telling themselves they're not good enough or they don't have X, 
what do you have? Uh, So let's, I know we're going to talk about tools. Like maybe we can talk and just give some quick examples of what decreases our confidence. And then we'll go into talking about some tools on how we can rebuild. What are, what are the the things I know we talked about a few of them already comparison. We talked about comparison, right? And I will say, unfollow people that make you feel some kind of way, right? Because we also can control our social media feed, just like we can control our confidence. So comparison, um, not knowing all the answers. We talked about that, right? I think that holds us back because we're afraid to say we don't know or to seek the answers. We're afraid that in leadership, if I said, I don't know. Now, if like I'm a doctor and I walk into your office and the doctor says, I don't know, that might be a problem, right? But most of us are not performing heart surgery. So like being able to be comfortable saying we don't know. Um, We talked about imposter syndrome, the all or nothing mindset, right? Um, I think you lack confidence when you think I miss, I make a mistake in this area, that that mistake is transferred onto your all areas of your life. Um, I think that's it. I think another thing that decreases confidence is when you continue to make mistakes and don't course correct. Because In imposter syndrome and self-doubt, sometimes there's a silver lining of truth, right? There's a little piece of it that you feel like, oh my God, I'm not um, equipped to apply for this job. I don't have all the skill sets, right? And so if that's the case and that keeps coming up for you, go get the skill set, like create an action list of things you can do so you can combat that trigger when it comes, right? So Um, not being able to course correct when you keep seeing the same mistake, I think is important. The other thing that I think decreases confidence is when we are not our authentic self. Who are you? You've got to take some time to know who you are, what makes you tick, the good, bad, and ugly. There's some things that we're not going to be able to fix, but we can put guardrails or tools around to help us. I'm a procrastinator. Of all the hats that I wear, procrastination is a thorn in my side. Like there, it is the hardest thing to overcome for me, but I have to push through and put tools and things in place. But it's being able to know that about myself and accepting that. And it's not going to go away, right? But I can create some things that help me with it. Okay. So we're, you know, I love all of those ideas. Yes. Imposter syndrome, not knowing all the answers. What are the tools? How can we start to build it? I know I love in the beginning, just talking about confidence is absolutely something that can be built. Do not give up on yourself. If you feel like you don't have it, you don't have it yet. And I loved even your final example, your previous example of if you don't have the skill and that mistake keeps coming up, just get the skill, give yourself permission to learn again. But what are other tips and techniques that you have to help develop leaders or an individual? confidence? Um, To help build confidence in yourself, we talked about some personal development, getting a coach or a mentor that can help you. Um, Getting to know yourself, taking some time to ask yourself key questions. What do you like? Where do you see yourself in the next few years? What do you think a confident person looks like, smells like, feels like, dresses like? If that image is not the image that you feel you put out into the world, change it. Like if it means you feel confident only when you're in a suit, then those times when you need to pump up that confidence and wear a suit, whatever you've got to do. If it's red lipstick, I don't care. But ask yourself, what does an ideal person for you look like? 
that is confident? And how can you mimic those things? How can you be that person? Um, I think also getting feedback from people because we're our worst critic. Asking people how they are. If Ask your team if you've built enough trust that can be honest. If you get back, oh, you're just so amazing and you don't really feel amazing, they're probably not being honest with you, right? And so getting some feedback from friends or family, other people that you've led before in groups, whether it volunteer or in your career, so you can get some feedback on it. Um, I want to give some tips, though, about building confidence in your team. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like the piece I love that you just said, like, act as if, because I think about my journey as a speaker. I'm always thinking, like, what would a multi-million dollar speaker do? Uh, newsflash, I'm not a multi-million dollar speaker yet, but yes. it's always thinking, how would they dress? How would they schedule their time? Would they spend their time on their phone playing a game? Would they not? Uh, I just, I, I love that notion. And I think it's super helpful to just see yourself in that role. But yes, yes, let's talk about how we can develop it on our teams, because that's just so important that we need team members to be able to be confident and see their value at every single role in the organization. Right. And so I think that getting for ourselves as leaders is super important. But sometimes we may not, I hate to use the term fake it till you make it right, but sometimes building confidence is also building confidence in other people. And so really quickly, some tips on building your team is ask yourself, do you really honor and respect your team that you work with? So the people who report to you, do you actually like them? What are things you like about them? What are their strengths? Who are their children and their family? Like, get to know the people you work with. You don't have to be best friends. I'm not saying hang out for happy hour every night. I'm not saying those things. But you've got to truly honor the people that work for you. Um, when you do that, I think you show up authentically and you really do care. People, pe They said there's no emotions in business. I don't agree with that. We are emotional people, men and women. Emotions exist, politics at companies exist. And so breaking those barriers is by honoring them and really getting to know them. Praising and building on momentum of what they have accomplished and their strengths. So praising, if praising your teammates or people that you report to you is hard, then you need to work on that muscle a little bit. Praising them, making sure they feel seen and feel like they are in positions to win. Um, I know leadership is a lot because you also have the work to do, but you've got to do the people work. Yeah. Um, the other thing is create peer mentorship. So if you see that some teammates or people that report to you do not have as much confidence, pair them with someone who may have some confidence in their role or who has a different strength than them so that they can kind of coach each other because some, or someone on your team that may not have as much confidence and you see that, but they don't see it. Pair, pair them with someone and have them do coaching activities or um, uh, confidence building things with their teammates. Because I have learned, I heard this years ago, but I've learned over the years that in order to really conquer something is to teach it, right? And so having someone who has a little bit less confidence teach something on confidence or um, lead a meeting about confidence will help them research it, understand it, know their own triggers and allow them to teach a little bit. Gets them out of their culture, or their, their comfort zone. And the last thing is, yeah, last thing is to create a culture where you discourage imposter syndrome, you discourage self-doubt, right? And so that is encourage them to take chances and getting on projects that make them stretch. A, tr a true leader, because they know the strengths and weaknesses of their teammates, 
or people to report to them. They can create stretch goals for them and allow them to, to fail at some things. And I'm not saying praise the failure, right? But understanding that mistakes aren't all or nothing and saying, hey, we all made a mistake today. Here's what happened. Here's what we haven't done. Um, we used to do this my last job. If a, if a sale didn't go through, we talked about it in a meeting and not in a drab way, but it was like, hey, here's why we didn't close this sale. How can we be better next time? You know, things like that will help breed um, confidence in the people that you work with. I love that example of just normalizing it. Again, people don't do it, right? We Someone's listening and they're like, I, I've heard that before. Well, ask yourself, are you really doing that? Are you normalizing it? Or is there judgment around mistakes? So then people you know, are more likely to feel imposter syndrome, or they're maybe not going to be as authentic with you because they don't want to be judged. I, I love that example. Vanessa, what, how, how do people get in touch with you? Like, I know we covered a lot today and I love all of the, you know, just, I feel like you gave a lot of inspiration, not only for the individual leader, but what really also the task that us as leaders, it's our job to develop competent teams. And I love all the techniques that you shared. How can our audience get in touch with you? Yeah, so on LinkedIn, at Ven- no, search for me, Vanessa Parker. Um, I do respond to my inbox messages. So if you have any questions or um, want some activities on building confidence, I'm sure I can share it there. And then on Instagram, the pink boss is all things business, family, confidence building. It is kind of my piece of the world where I share all of the things that I've learned um, over the years. My gosh, I love it. So find her, find Vanessa Parker on LinkedIn or go to the Pink Boss on Instagram. Vanessa, thank you so much for taking your time. And I know I have to correct this. She is the chief chaos organizer. And I hope that by sitting down and talking to her, you could hear all of the great insights that you had from your many years as both a coach, a speaker, and just a leader. And thank you so much for just giving us tools, techniques, and also normalizing that confidence likely happens to all of us. We may not realize it, but it's something that we can learn. It's something that we can develop and you are totally worthy. Vanessa, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I hope you feel inspired to go up and elevate that confidence. And remember that if there's something you're not confident about, maybe it's just an opportunity to learn a new skill or to research something differently. Confidence is something that can be learned. If you want to connect more with Vanessa, you can find her on LinkedIn at Vanessa Parker, or you can follow her on Instagram at The Pink Boss. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, if you know a friend or a leader that's struggling with confidence, please share this with them so they do not struggle alone and so they can have some tools that can help them improve their confidence. Of course, if you're also interested in leadership development, please sign up for us. Come over to crosscom.com. We offer two-hour free leadership skills workshops. We would love to come into your organization and develop your team. And last, please, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service.